0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to First in Gold, the hardest hitting up and Goal, the hardest-hitting, up-and-coming ACC, SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Thursday, January 27th, in the year 2022. I'm your host, Ben, and today we're going to be discussing a variety of things, going from a coaching carousel, how it's going to affect teams, all kinds of good stuff. But before we get into it, buckle up that chin strap, throw in that mouthpiece, you know what to do. We are back, ready to do the damn thing How the hell are y'all? As I said, I'm your host, Ben Joined here once again by my co-host The one The only The Incredible Fluff Big Rob
1: (laughs) Well, that's good, everybody (laughs) How the hell are you, man? I'm doing good Apparently I'm the big fluff Or Incredible Fluff now, I guess, as you said,
0: I don't know, man We're going to try to have a
1: little new name for you every time (laughs) What the hell, why not, right? Let's do it, I don't care Just don't call me late for dinner
0: Hey, I know that's right, man
1: What the hell you been up to, brother? Oh, not much,
0: man, just another week A little work here and there You know the drills I know that's right, I know that's right I know it's been a fun week full of work, man I've been doing all kinds of stuff this week I've been running an 18-wheeler Trying to keep it rolling a little bit on the highway Hauling some grain Also been having to run a bulldozer a little bit, man You ever run a bulldozer before? I have not Man, it's awesome I love it. I love getting out there on a dozer, clearing a little bit of land, rolling some stumps, just taking a, a pile of rubble, basically just cut down the woods and just open it up into a field. It's awesome. But let me tell you something. That thing will shake you to pieces.
1: Oh yeah, shake you like Jello. I'm
0: telling you, man, it will shake you, slap the
1: <laughs> hell up. Oh. Speak, if, speaking of shakeups, how about these coaching shakeups that we've had this season? Oh man, I'm telling you, we got six Six this year between the ACC and the SEC I mean Mostly in the ACC, only two in the SEC But good gosh almighty Joe Friday It's going to be huge on some of these teams with the new
0: coaches And both of the teams in the SEC I mean, we're not talking about middle of the road or bottom tier I mean, both of these are national championship programs National championship contenders year in and year out Yes sir, I mean it's It's a little crazy, man I mean it seems weird. I mean, last year there were some new coaches, but
1: when's the last time we had six of them in just two different conferences? Mm-hmm. Now, that's not saying anything about the Big Twelve, Big Ten, uh, Pac twelve. I mean, <laughs> there has been coaching shakeups all across the nation, bro. And that's why I love this. T- that's why I love this time of year, man, is because there is just so much to report on recruiting, coaching carousels. Man, it's just a great day to be alive. Great day to talk
0: football. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, that's what cracks me up. Is a lot of these guys get out there. and They always say, if the season's over, now it's the dreaded offseason. Now we're just going to have to dread and drag it out for the next couple months. Brother, let me tell you something. The off season to me, is just as, if not more exciting than the regular season. Because now we have an opportunity. There is so much content. Dismissed throughout the season, we get to go back through each individual program, man. Mm-hmm. Film study, you know I love film. Oh, you you the man when it comes to film study. I, I live for it, man. I live for it. We're we gonna call you Clifford Franklin with that. I'm telling you, man. I love film studying over film. We got film study we get to do. We got recruits, mm-hmm. transfers. Oh yeah, coaching shakeups. I mean, there's just so I mean, just this year, six coaching shakeups, and I mean. Let's name a couple of these programs real quick. All right. All right. We'll, we'll go ahead and name all six of them. Miami Hurricanes, Yep. national contending program here lately. It hadn't been that way. That's why, probably why they got to change the pace code in there. All right, your yes, well-deserved change of pace. But I mean, all in general, when you think of Miami Hurricanes, you instantly think of
1: early, national titles,
0: contenders, late eighties, early nineties, early two thousands, mm-hmm. national championship teams. Florida Gators, national contenders year in year out. LSU, another national contender year-in, year-out. Virginia Tech, I mean, I wouldn't say they're a national contender year-in, year-out, but at the same time, that's a fascinating program to me because that is a program year-in, year-out that can very easily win 9, 10 games, pull off huge upsets, and is a very at-large team.
1: And can compete for an ACC championship.
0: Exactly, so still a championship program. And, I mean, then you got the Virginia Cavaliers, another program that can very much – any given year, make a run at the ACC. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> last but not least, there's always good old Duke.
1: Who? Duke. Who? Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem. You talking about the video game or you talking about that basketball school? We're talking about the Blue Devils. We're
0: talking about the football school the, now. The, the, the Blue Devils? Yes, sir. I, I What's crazy is out of all these schools, there wasn't two that really made a big name
1: splash higher. And I'd be damned if Duke was one of them who did it. I'm telling you. You know, it's crazy with Duke how loyal to a coach that they can be. Because, I mean, we all know what kind of program that this has been year in and year out. But David Cutcliffe actually spent 14 seasons at Duke. 14.
0: Very long 14 years.
1: <laughs> Just craziness,
0: man. And, I mean, he had some ups, and he had some downs. Some of those ups was way up. It was mm-hmm. pretty
1: awesome a year or two there. Yeah, back in 2018, won Independence independence ball.
0: Yes, sir. I mean, and that's huge for a program like Duke that's never really put a lot of time or focus really into their football program.
1: Right, absolutely. I mean, they've always been known for a basketball school, and they accept it. I mean, if they win, you know, six, seven games a year, man, they would be. that would be like winning a Super Bowl to them.
0: Yeah, and I mean. Believe it or not, after seeing who they hired as their new coach,
1: call me crazy, but I'm actually a little excited to see what Duke does here. I mean, that very well could be a big name splash for Duke. And, you know, could be some winning going on. I mean, they, they hired uh, a man by the name of Mike Elko. Elko has uh, 23 years altogether of coaching experience, 18 of which is a defensive coordinator the last four years at Texas A&M.
0: Yes, sir. And I mean – Anybody that's watched college football, period, knows good and well Texas A&M, the last four years, when you think of that team, you think of defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, lights out, punch you in your mouth, play in, play out, fly into the ball. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, Duke's actually turned out a lot of defensive talented players to the NFL over the years. And we always said, man, if they are getting all these players – to the NFL, why is this defense performing so poorly? Absolutely, you get a big name in there that knows his stuff and can put these players in the right position and get these guys motivated.
1: But I ain't no damn telling. And not just get one or two talented defensive guys in there, but get four or five, just enough to really make it to where you know you're covering your bases and getting a good defense in there.
0: Exactly, man. I mean, Duke's always had. A lot of talent deep going to the NFL it is actually a – a lot of people call it a NFL express lane, if you will. Mm-hmm. Just because of how many players they pull out of there for the NFL every year. I mean, defensive tackles, linebackers, defensive tackles, you hear about year in, year out going to the league.
1: And a lot of it is, you know, kind of late-round picks, but those late-round picks actually end up turning around and, you know, making a career out
0: of it. Exactly, and also, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks Duke's had over here. Duke's always been known for good quarterbacks, so you get a defensive-minded head coach and they're like If he can make a big splash as an OC, get the right kind of OC in there, man. Mm-hmm. You get the right pieces of the puzzle around you, and all of a sudden, I mean, kind of like a Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. They're not an ACC or SEC, so we don't cover Coastal a whole lot, but Coastal for the longest time was a joke of a
1: program. Yeah. Coastal was just a, a party school a few years ago. Now look at them, man. They're they're nationally ranked, it seems like, almost for the last two years. And they're just winning a lot of games.
0: Exactly. I mean, hell, last year a lot of people was chanting for them, saying that they ought to be in a BCS Bowl last year.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, speaking about teams that have turned it around, look at Billy Napier down there at uh, the Raging Cajuns.
0: Yes, sir, down there at Louisiana Lafayette. That scene there has been a train wreck, a tune-up game for everybody for years and years and years. They had a few good years here and there, but since Navier came into that program, man, he did a huge turnaround there. And I do believe that's the old man that's rolling on into the Florida Gators, looking like he's stepping up to take over another job turning the program around. Yes,
1: sir, old Dan Mullen, old bad Dan, dirty Dan, if you want to call him that. How does Florida head coach? Yes, sir. No more kisses for the football team. No, sir. Had a, uh, finished with a record of thirty-four and fifteen down there in Florida. And normally you hear those numbers say
0: 34-15. <laughs> Man, he—that's a good record. Why? Why is he? Why is he
1: unemployed? That's a great record. What's Florida thinking? It's Florida. They do not do well with losing down there in Florida.
0: And that's just what I was getting at. When you're the head coach of somewhere like Florida, you're expected to be contending for a national championship year in, year out. You're expected to be contending for that SEC championship year in, year out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you get blown out by South Carolina, you get blown out. Well, they didn't get blown out, they actually won. But when you get pushed around and beat down by Sanford, <laughs> Not Stanford, but Samford. Yes, sir, Samford. When they put up a fight all the way to the end, and then.
1: When you have to put up 78 points just to win a game.
0: Yep, and then when good old Eli rolls in the tail of Missouri, (laughs) and Eli puts a whooping on you,
1: that's just not the Florida code. Well, here's the thing. I mean, even though Florida won an SEC championship, well, SEC East championship, excuse me, last year in 2020. It started rolling downhill for Dan Mullen whenever they lost their bowl game in Oklahoma, 52, 55 to Oklahoma,
0: 55-20. I'd have to agree with you there. I mean, they really have been on a little bit of a downward spiral. But then again, you think about it, there's a lot of games. Dan Mullen's whole M.O. since he's been there what has been they have not really been able to win the big one. They haven't been able to clinch the big one. But also, at the same time, they have barely beaten teams and lost some games to schools that they shouldn't have no problem with.
1: Mm-hmm. And the whole knock on Dan Mullen this year, too, was he just wasn't really doing much recruiting during the regular season.
0: Well, we called it last year. Yeah. Dan Mullen checked out last year. I, I'm a firm believer Dan Mullen wanted to go to the NFL. He was very open, saying he was open for an NFL job looking in the market. And when he didn't get no
1: offers, I feel like he just kind of checked out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He was looking for a way out of if, if I'm just being honest.
0: I'd have to agree there. But also, I mean, you look at some of the
1: players he had.
0: I mean, Kyle Trask, that was a hell of a quarterback, man.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You lose Kyle Trask. You lose uh, your tight end, Kyle um, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. And some of the wide receivers, running backs, the line that they lost and went to the NFL. But it was just a rebuilding season. And honestly, Dan Mullen's not a rebuilder. He, he can go into a school that's already got the pieces in place and win. But once those pieces are gone, man, he can't rebuild that puzzle.
0: That's exactly right, my man. Exactly right. <laughs> and I mean, Billy Napier coming in there, it should be interesting to see what he does. But at the same time... He's done good with the Raging Cajuns, but at the same time, I don't know. You look at those Raging Cajuns, man, I mean, that's a whole different caliber of teams you're playing against them, and, I mean, you think what he was with them. A little bit of his issue with the Cajuns was some of the big games they needed to win, they couldn't clinch them.
1: Those were against Coastal Carolina, Liberty, Yeah, some of those, but, you know, one thing that you can say about Billy is that he's won four straight Sunbelt titles, four straight. He's finished in the AP Top 25 the last two years in a row. I mean, for a team like the Raging Cajuns, that's unheard of. Not to mention, surprise, surprise, He's also from the Little Nicky talent tree.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban's. <laughs> Nick Saban's Institute of Revitalizing Coaching Careers, pretty much. He went to Clemson. He was O.C. at Clemson. And, I mean, Clemson he had some good success when Napier was offensive coordinator there. He was a very creative offensive mind, did really good. But he lost his job. And nobody never could quite understand that. And it was definitely not. Uh, Good terms kind of departure
1: No not really I mean he served From uh, 2006 to 2010 as a tight ends Coach offensive coordinator and a quarterback Coach And Clemson had some good teams in Those years man yes sir they had some Good play I mean some good offenses yes Sir but I think the biggest knock they had Especially when he was the offensive coordinator There was he just couldn't get them over That hill To where they were trying to go with the netting
0: You can't really put all that on him, though. No. I mean, Davo was in there, fresh, inexperienced head coach. Your quarterbacks in that time period, mm-hmm. they were decent but not great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, just, you didn't have the playmakers across the board to do it back then. And Also, look at the competition they were playing against back then. I mean, during that time period, Florida State was still rolling pretty good. Florida State was Florida
1: State. North Carolina was North Carolina.
0: South Carolina was strong, damn strong, mm-hmm. for that little period of time, and they hadn't even reached their pinnacle yet. But it was—that's when they were coming into it, pretty hot and heavy. Oh yeah, I mean they, they played some tough teams back then. They really did. So, I can't really hold out against Napier. I guess my biggest thing with him is you were a head coach in the Sun Belt, and you had some success. To an extent with that. I don't even say to an extent. He's done well in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. But now you're going from the Sun Belt to the SEC. To big boy ball. You're going from coaching high school football to trying to coach Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Especially down there in Florida. And, I mean, now you got to go from – in the Sun Belt, your tough game would be against – Hell, I don't know, uh, Central Florida? Central Florida, like you said, Coastal Carolina? Exactly. Your tough games are going to be, instead of playing Coastal Carolina, Central Florida, now you got to go head-to-head with Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. you got to go toe-to-toe with Kentucky and mm-hmm. Stoops. you got to go toe-to-toe with South Carolina. And then there's always battle.
1: Mm-hmm. There's always LSU. Yep. I mean, this is the big leagues, man. Yeah. He went from swimming in the kiddie bowl to kiddie pool to swimming in the ocean when he shocks out there in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: But uh, I don't know. We got down there that, but still, that's a pretty decent hire. That would have to be a pretty decent hire, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that hire, and I really hope that Billy Napier does good. I know that South Carolina was really looking at the Billy Napier real heavy last year before they decided upon Beamer. Well,
0: see. I don't mean to cut you off here, but that's part of my point, though. Billy Napier, if he's really the man for the job, the man you want in this place, he was passed over for a man with zero head coaching experience. And Billy Napier, they said he was very interested in the South Carolina job. He wanted it. Yeah.
1: He really wanted that job, and he was actually one of the finalists, if I'm not mistaken. He was. He was.
0: But for him to get passed over, see what the whole thing with Carolina is. We wanted a guy who fit our culture. They wanted a culture man. He's going to change the culture of a program Mm -hmm. and actually was the school and build it up. Mm -hmm. Biggest problem with Dan Mullen was where was the culture?
1: There was no culture.
0: There was no culture.
1: It was all, if, if you listen to some of the interviews that he did that his players did. It was all me, 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 I, I, I. I'm going to the NFL. It was no sort of team oriented goals that I could pick up off upon.
0: Exactly. And see I just I don't know. Napier, in Florida. It's an
1: interesting hire. It really is.
0: It's interesting. I just don't know if I'm hundred
1: percent so long. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Napier can do in the recruiting field. Um, I know he's picked up some pretty nice recruits since he's got there, but whether that's going to turn out or not, if they're going to bust or not, I mean, that still remains to be seen.
0: Well, that and just – I don't know. I feel like Florida is top program. You program. It takes a special – it takes a special individual to coach Florida. You think about the most success they've had, Spurrier, mm-hmm. Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Those two names right there were the most successful. Both of them were very special.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Your third most successful coach you've had has been Dan Mullen. Or was it Muschamp? Muschamp, Mullen did better than Muschamp. Muschamp was 20. 20- I think he was 28 and 21 as their head coach or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, I mean, Mushant literally did the same damn thing Mullen did. Started off a year or two, red hot, looked great, crashed and burned.
1: You know what the the similarities are there? Hmm. They come in with a team that's already built for them ready to go.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Now you got God's going to come in there and rebuild it. But if Napier can make the Raging Cajuns win, make them a top twenty-five team, he might be. He might be the man for the job. He
1: might be. I mean, I'd say give it two or three years, and then I'd say by the end of this year, we, we should know whether or not he's going to be at least a good coach or not.
0: Yeah, without a doubt.
1: And I'd say give it about two or three years for him to actually turn it around and start being in the conversation again for. him. SEC East Championship, but
0: that's right. The hell! While we on the subject of Florida, why don't we cruise on down the street a little ways further south the South Beach? Talk about the Miami Hurricanes! Hurricane
1: warning! Hurricane warning!
0: <laughs> they finally, finally, and I hate to say this, <laughs> I might come off like a heartless individual sometimes. The way I'm to some of these coaches getting fired. But Manny Diaz, Bo, we're not mad. <laughs> we're just really disappointed. Last year, you started off red hot. We said, hey, look at this. We're talking about 2020. You yeah. started off red hot. We're like, hey, look at this. Oh, my! they might want to do the damn thing. I mean, blue Florida State completely out of the water. They had some big wins last year. They looked good. Derek King got hurt, went down to had a few injuries. He said a ton of penalties on some games cost him. He said, Well, everybody comes back next year. It was only the second year in Diaz's system. Maybe
1: maybe two thousand twenty one will be their year. In a COVID year, Miami went eight wins for three losses. With their loss
0: North Carolina.
1: It was to Oklahoma State, the Cheese it Bowl.
0: That was in
1: 2020. That was in
0: 2020. Yep. And this year here, I said, in the preseason, y'all heard me. I was pumping them up. hmm. Made me feel like a jackass. <laughs> I was pumping them up. I was Team Hurricane. I said, man, this is it. The Miami of old is back. I was telling Big Rob, man, let me tell you. But
1: then we also threw in the caveat of all the penalties and – you know, everything that you need to watch out for. Exactly. And guess what jumped up and bit him right in the talks.
0: A year full of penalties, but not only penalties. This is where his fate was sealed. He fired the defensive coordinator from last year. <laughs> he said, I'm going to do the defensive coordinator myself as the head coach because I'm a defensive guru. Their defense was one of the worst damn ones in college football this year. Yeah. Yeah. It went from bad to ridiculous. I mean, it was sad.
1: Quick, fast, and in a hurry, man. I quit watching halfway through the year. And, I mean, it was a case of musical quarterbacks all through the year, too. You would get two or three games with one quarterback, and then the next game would be with the other quarterback. He didn't do a well enough job, so they'd go back to the other quarterback, Then they'd switch back, 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 back. I mean, you couldn't... But
0: Eric King came out. He got hurt again, I'm pretty sure.
1: hmm
0: And then when he came back, it was like musical quarterbacks between Eric King and Tyler, I think it was Tyler Van Dyke. I think it was Van Dyke, yeah. And they had a freshman, <laughs> last name of Garcia, who looked phenomenal yeah. in the spring. I, I still haven't wrapped my head around why he never really got shot. Maybe they were saving him. I think red shirt, maybe. I don't know. I, I didn't really get that, but... Um, yeah, Miami D. Miami, two thousand twenty one was, it was a hurricane. It was a natural disaster. Yeah, <laughs> it was a disaster.
1: Yeah, it was a feces hurricane. What it was?
0: It was. It was pretty. It was some bad football. I was very disappointed. But, Manny Diaz was told to pack his bags, get on out of town, and in comes Mario Cristobal.
1: Mario Cristobal coming in from Oregon. Yes, sir, from the Oregon Ducks. And I tell you what, I think this is a big hire. I think this man's going to turn it around quick, fast, in a hurry. Um, I tell you, it's just crazy at some of the things that Cristobal has done. Specifically, he is a former Hurricane grad. He played on the offensive line and helped them to win a national championship in 1989 and 1991.
0: And nothing speaks culture more than a man that has lived it. Absolutely. Eat, sleep, breathed it. He knows Miami football. He knows what it takes to win at Miami football. And he has seen the program at its pinnacle. Yep. So he knows... Where he's at now, where he's been, he knows what he has to do to get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. But also something I'm really looking forward to in Miami, their offense in the last several years has become stagnant. Yeah. Like pond water.
1: Well, I mean, they've actually counted on the quarterback to run more than what the running backs have. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, Derek King, don't get me wrong, he was a hell of an athlete. I enjoyed watching him. But in football, you can't have one-man carry a team. You've gotta have a, you got to have a good running back. You need a good quarterback, but you also got to have a good running back. You need receivers. you got to have a, multiple ways to move the ball on your offense. But
1: above all else, you have to have an offensive line. Exactly. Something they have not had. And what was Mario Cristobal before or when he graduated with? o Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But also, when I hear Mario Cristobal, Mario Cristobal, whatever his name is? Mario, Mario. Mario and Luigi.
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But when when I think of Mario Cristobal and those Oregon Ducks, the first thing that comes to my mind is just... High-speed, 110-octane, wide-open, fast football. I mean, you you watch any football game without Oregon offense on the field, and, I mean, it is rolling fast.
1: If you go back and look at the last couple of drafts, NFL drafts, the highest linemen taken in the draft in the first round have been from Oregon, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. Quarterbacks. Yeah. They're quarterbacks. I mean, Marcus Mariota,
0: don't get me wrong now, Marcus Mariota, he started off hot in the NFL. He kind of fills it out. He's been playing a backup the last year and a half now. Still think he got started potentially, just in a decent situation where he's getting paid. And he ain't got to get crap beat out of him. Yeah.
1: yeah, when he got an
0: offensive line and for him. But then you look at Justin Herbert. I mean, that's two big time talents. and They were huge talents in college football. Mm hmm. So I told you right there, this guy, he can develop a quarterback. He can put a staff together. Every year he's been at Oregon, they've been a contender.
1: Well, they won three three straight Pac-12 conference championships. Exactly. And he was only at Oregon for four years.
0: Ouch. Damn it. Okay, so he wasn't there when Mariotta was there. Hmm. But still, all four years he was there, Oregon was a team that was knocking on the door for playoffs, Yep. I mean, they were a national contending team year in and year out. It was a team you could not sleep on. Any given football game they showed up to, they had a chance at it. Right. And if you had a defense that was not clicking, he would expose you. Oh, yeah. I mean.
1: I mean, this Oregon team was one of the best I've ever seen as far as offensive Genius goes, without a doubt. The blocking
0: schemes, okay. techniques were phenomenal. The whole offensive line just looked great every single year he was there. Looked incredible. And the speed, I just, I can't get over speed. I mean, you look at Oregon football these last four years. I mean, those kids, it was like Sonic the Hedgehog out there or something, playing football. Isn't that that drum hole thing? Yeah. Sonic. Yeah. Hall ass, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they flew around a football field.
1: Oh, I'm telling you, I mean, you, you'd see Sonic on one side of the ball. You'd see the Flash on the other side of the ball. You'd see, old Mario hopped up on uh, the flower over there on the sideline. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. I mean, throwing fireballs out. I mean, it was just. I mean.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, and his teams to be able to play that fast and keep a tempo up from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, I tells you, his teams, they show up in shape, but they show up motivated. Mm-hmm. They're ready to play their butts off every game they get into. They're just ready to go at it, man. Mm-hmm. They're passionate. And that's something that I feel like Miami has really been lacking these last couple years. of years. They just, and it made me so disappointed because in spring game, you look at them, they look good. You said, man, they really like they're starting to turn the corner. And then the season rolls around and they just
1: come out flat. It's like pond water. Mm-hmm. Stagnant. Mm-hmm. One thing to say about Mario Cristobal, too. Can you guess where he was at before Oregon? Where's that?
0: I think Nick is just deciding he's going to fill the whole NCAA with his coaching tree.
1: I think so. I mean, he was at Alabama, served as the assistant head coach and offensive line coach and a recruiting coordinator. Hope lead the tide to the national championship in 2015 and runner up the following season.
0: I remember that. They had great offensive lines each year, too.
1: I mean, Alabama's always got a good offensive line, but that w- they had a great offensive line those two years.
0: Oh, they did. Without a doubt, they did. So, I mean. Anytime you can get a team to play in such speed and be efficient, not so many stupid penalties, like extremely careless, dumb penalties, the odds are in your favor, man.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, generally speaking, the team that has the less blacks, less fumbles, less turnovers generally wins the game. Look at the Alabama-Georgia game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Without a doubt. Discipline, the first step in winning football games is discipline. Yep.
1: If you don't have discipline, man, you ain't got nothing.
0: You already got to try to – you already have to worry about the other team beating you. Mm -hmm. If you start beating yourself,
1: it's over. Yeah. You're done. Yeah.
0: You can't beat yourself. (laughs) And beat the other team at the same time. It ain't gonna happen. No. Not at all. And when we start talking about teams that make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> while we roll on into this uh next coaching slot we got open. Like let's say I don't know, the Virginia Cavaliers.
1: Virginia. Alright, so Bronco Mendenhall former head coach down there at Virginia. And I tell you what, Bronco did a pretty good job in his years that he's served down there six seasons. He's only missed the bowl game twice, and one of it one time was due to COVID and the other time was his first season in Virginia.
0: Yeah man, he, he really did a lot for that Virginia program. They had a good culture. I remember watching um college football hometowns, special in mm-hmm. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Great culture. I love the way the whole program looked. But when I mentioned the mistakes, Virginia, it's insane until you go back and look at some of their games. How many close games they actually lost, and it all comes back to a penalty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or one careless, using all your timeouts early in the game, early <laughs> in the third quarter and having none left in fourth quarter yeah yeah great coach you hate to see him leave but he has personal things to have to deal with and also he probably was getting a little burnt out just because you're so close you're so close but so it's, far away you start trying a little too hard and then you get even further away yeah so maybe a little break away from the game might be good for him. Might come back, and revitalize, and get on another program
1: somewhere. Who knows? You very well could. He very well could. Now, you know, again with uh, with Virginia, you know, it's they want to try to win every game that they possibly can. And who best to try to get somebody from than Clemson?
0: Oh, Tony Elliott. I tell you what, man, I, I feel bad. Clemson. Not really, because I'm not a Clemson fan. Let's be honest. Here, go Gamecocks, but you always hear about a program and say, oh, well, they got a big void to fill. They had a decent year, and they lost their defensive coordinator. But to lose your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator in the same year and another assistant coach, too, if I'm not
1: mistaken. I think, um, I think Tony poached a couple, and then I think um, Venerables poached a couple.
0: I tell you what, Clemson. It's either gonna be great or terrible this coming year. They're either gonna be very fresh and revitalized or they're gonna be a chicken with its head chopped off over. I'm
1: gonna go with the the other part of that. The chicken? Yeah, the chicken.
0: Fingers crossed. But our chicken. No, no, no. But hell, let's jump back to them, Virginia Cavaliers with Tony Elliott. What you got on him over there, buddy?
1: So Tony Elliott served eleven years at Clemson. Ten of those years as a running back coach. Now, seven years he served as a co-offensive coordinator, and that was during the championship years. But this year in 2021 was his first year as sole offensive coordinator, and he also served as a tight ends coach.
0: Man, I got to tell you, offense gets a lot harder. Well, you don't have a Heisman finalist as your quarterback
1: (laughs) for eight (laughs) years.
0: Think about that. Eight years. Yep. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yep. Back to back. And there was another one in there before that, too, wasn't
0: there? Taj Boyd. Yeah. Taj Boyd was decent. He wasn't great, but he was was all right. He was all
1: right. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't get the national championship done, but.
0: He was a good quarterback. He was was definitely the bridge to start a turn of the quarter. That program, but I mean, I do. i gotta be honest with you, man. I don't like this hire. You don't like the hire. Explain why you don't like the hire. It's just it doesn't. To me, this year was like a prove it year for him. Mm -hmm. Prove that your offense, you can run the offense, and even if you don't have a Heisman quarterback. You can still go out there and do good, right? Turn out an of offense and win big games, right? But it's kind of hard to do when you got a redshirt freshman in there. DJ Uiagale. Yeah. Okay, you could say that, but what was Sam Howe in 2019 in North Carolina? I mean, you make a point there. What was Trevor Lawrence? You make a point. Those are true freshmen. We can't use the freshman excuse because the simple thing is the cold hard truth with today's college football, it's not like it used to be, man. Nowadays, they have quarterback camps all over. These kids are going to camps Mm -hmm. to learn to play the quarterback position four years old. Yeah. Five years old. Going to professional camps. I mean, starting at four years old. By the time you're 18 years old, hell, you got 14 years of learning this thing. Hell, you ain't got 12 years of school before you go to college. 14 years of learning quarterback position. Right. 14 years of development. You can't knock freshmen no more. Freshmen today are not what they used to be.
1: Very valid point. Very valid point. I mean, you're right. I mean, with all the camps and everything that you've got going on, and you've got and let's just face it, in the, the senior year, you've got all these bowl games that you go to, like All-Star Bowls or – Under Armour Bowl, Under Armours, you know, things of that nature.
0: Tri-Bowl, you you got all kinds of bowls, man. All-Star Game, you got – you can't knock a freshman. But my thing with Tony Elliott is the year where I paid the most attention to the Clemson offense – where I would look the most at the offensive coordinators say, all right, this is where we're going to find out what he's all about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Clemson offense laid an egg for a big, big portion of the year. I mean, they really did. And you can blame the quarterback till the song comes up. But the simple thing is there's law schools out there that don't have a very good quarterback. They win football games
1: mean,
0: you're right. Hell, South Carolina played with how many quarterbacks this year?
1: Four altogether. Yeah. They still
0: made it to a bowl game and won. Yeah. They're probably the best quarterback of them all. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, Clemson, if it wasn't for their defense they had this year, I wouldn't have credited them more than probably – I don't know, six wins, tops. Honestly. I mean, yeah. Hell, how many offensive touchdowns did Clemson score against Carolina?
1: Offensive touchdowns? I want to say three, two or three.
0: I think they scored two. They scored one right then when they were running the score, that's right. Yeah. But defense, man, turnovers. Yeah. That was still a top three defense in the country this year. And when he did not have the big weapon, even then, you still got the lead offensive line. You still had great running backs. Mm -hmm. You still had good receivers. Hell, your your freshman quarterback's a five-star freshman quarterback.
1: And I really don't feel like they used the running game right last year.
0: They didn't. They didn't. But you still have – Had a very good program in Clemson, and you still had a defense that was setting you up with outstanding field position constantly. (laughs) Now you're going to the Virginia Cavaliers. Now you got a whole team to worry about. Not just putting points on the board, you got to worry about keeping points off the board too. So now you got to find a DC to hire, a good defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator. Got to find a good offensive coordinator. There's a lot of things you got to find. Yep.
1: And I'm going to tell you right now The D.C. that uh, Tony hired Mm-hmm Bo uh, <laughs> Hired a man by the name of John Ludzinski. You may know him as the Atlanta Falcons Defensive coordinator for four seasons
0: Well Bo I can't remember the Atlanta Falcons Having a defense of the worth crap in about 10-15 years Exactly Yikes
1: But you know who they hired as offensive coordinator Des Kitchens, that it? Yep. Des Kitchens, former run, uh, running backs coach for South Carolina.
0: And see, I'm a little skeptical with that. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty good running back coach, but at the same time, how great of a running back coach was he really when you look back South Carolina? Yes, Kevin Harris had a good year that year, but at the same time, Zekwondre White didn't do crap two years ago. Zekwondre White right? was a fumble machine that year. He was a fumble machine, and he, just, he did not have a good year, period. Rashad Amos fumbled the ball quite a bit. Rashad Fenwick transferred out of South Carolina, went to Oregon State, rode the bench. Yep. Split reps, starting reps. Couldn't even win out starting role at Oregon State. Hell, this year here, South Carolina, they had Sequadre White balled out. Kevin Harris had a good year once he got back from injury. Last game of the season. Pretty much. I mean, they had four running backs who really looked pretty decent this year. So,
1: And I know we're talking about coaching carousels, but I want to ask you a question. All right. This has nothing to do with the coaching carousel, but what do you think about... No. Okay. (laughs) Fire away, fire away. What do you think about a player who opts out of their bowl game, but then chooses to play in a senior bowl? What do I think of that?
0: I think of someone who got their head a little bit too big and they decided they were going to clear for the NFL draft. And then they realize they don't have a whole hell of a lot of stock left in the draft. But they're too arrogant to go back on their decision. Right. So they're going to
1: try to get a little bit more film. Right. And can you name the two players from South Carolina that has done just this?
0: I can name one of them.
1: One of them would be Zaquandre White. And the other one is going to be the defensive end. Kingsley? Ingabari. Huh. Yeah.
0: That's problem with Ingabari, but I figured he would play the bowl game, but he did not have a very good year in general compared to – he had a decent year, but at the same time he didn't. He didn't have a year. Everybody's thinking he's going to have. He'll probably be a second round pick still. Yeah, they're
1: uh, they're projecting him being second round. I know early on they were projecting him as a late first round pick. They were actually saying that Green Bay could possibly get him. Who's that? Ingabari.
0: No, who's Green Bay?
1: Oh, the Green Bay Packers.
0: I don't know this team you speak of. Uh, are we officially a Bears fan now? I don't know what we're a fan of at the moment, thank you. <laughs> just a football fan right now. Yeah. At the moment. <laughs> at this very moment, we're a 49er fan. <laughs> 49er and a Bengals fan. There you go. But, uh, yeah, Tony Elliott, Virginia, I just, I'm not sold on the guy. Not sold at all. He could prove me wrong, but I feel like this year here, I feel like he had a bad year this year. I feel like he was in over his head. And I think he got an offer. He said, you know what? My stock's still a little hot from previous years.
1: Let me go ahead and take an offer before I had none. You know, it's, that's a valid point. I mean, when I first look at this, it's intriguing to me because he has spent so much time in the ACC. He's got such a hot brand being that offensive coordinator for the last eight years. One of which is a full-time OC that, you know, of course, the other seven is the co-OC, but I just figured that, you know, you know, this could be a match along, but, you know, you just never really know until the rubber meets the road. I'll give you a perfect example of this. All right. All right I'm listening.
0: You remember old, um, what's his name, Chad Morris? Yes, sir. He was the OC at Clemson. Mm-hmm. He was actually an O.C. at Clemson before Tony Elliott.
1: hmm
0: Did really well. hmm He left to become the head
1: coach at Arkansas. Right. What happened at Arkansas? He crashed. Went down in flames.
0: What happened when Sam Pittman went to Arkansas? Behind him. Same thing? No. Sam Pittman went to Arkansas. They turned around programming in right. the
1: last two years. You're so right. you right. I'm sorry. I was thinking somebody else. You are 100% right.
0: So what's that tell you, man? You see where I'm, you see where I'm going from this? Yeah, I do. Well, uh, while we're in the state of Virginia, why don't we move on down the road to Virginia Tech. Blacksburg, Virginia.
1: Hokie Town. Let's talk about them Hokies. Well, let's talk about them. Oh, Justin Fuente. Got it right, on November 16th, 2021. Got his ass out of there. He got it. I'm, once again, I hate to be that
0: guy to say this, but it, it needed to happen. And Fuente, man, he can get, I feel confident he's going to get another shot somewhere. I feel very confident. Dude, Fuente?
1: No. He not get a shot anywhere.
0: Yeah, I think he will. He'll at least get Unless a job as a coordinator somewhere and then work his way back into a picture.
1: Maybe a coordinator, but I mean... If you look at this record that he had, I think he'll get another
0: shot. I'm telling you. He'll at least get a job as a high-paid coordinator somewhere. He just needs to go see old St. Nick. Yeah, St. Nick
1: will turn anybody around.
0: Rejuvenate that career. He'll get a shot.
1: Better hurry up soon, though. I don't think St. Nick's got too much longer in the (laughs) league. We can all hope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Fuente, man, it was time for a change because what? I was mentioning Miami being stagnant. Oh yeah. Miami ain't had nothing on no. Virginia Tech this year.
1: Hell
0: no. Let me tell you, man. I found myself probably probably about the last six years, seven years. Maybe even eight years now. I found myself following Virginia Tech a little bit, watching the games so I see a little TV pulling for them. Visited town, loved the culture, loved the people. And 2000, 2021, really twenty 2020, twenty, 2020 and twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty of starting surface. But two thousand twenty one. They came out hot first game of the year, Friday night football, Blacksburg, Virginia. I was fired up, man. Hell, we watched it at the house. Yeah. We came over to the house. We watched the game. Yep. I mean, but I was fired up for that game. I was so excited for it. Love watching the Friday night game in Blacksburg. Love it. But remember, even when we watched that game, we looked and I said, man, I figured the stadium would be sold out. It's not even really packed, really. That's that's weird. This stadium is always a
1: sellout crowd. What's, yeah. what's going which, on here? Which we blame COVID for that in the beginning, but... Just just judging by everybody's body language, man, like you said, stagnant. Yeah, the fans just seem stagnant. And, I mean,
0: they did win. Virginia Tech played their asses off that first game, and they won. And the fan base, like, they had a little glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. And then the very next week, they played West Virginia and got demolished. Right. And – that game and every single game I saw him playing since then. It's like I said. It's like pond water. It's like swamp water. Just yes, absolutely stagnant.
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you look back at his record, 2016, they went ten wins and four losses. That was his first year as head ball coach. 2017 went nine and four. Mm-hmm. 2018 went six and seven. That's a little bit of a drastic fall right there. Yeah. 2019, did a little bit better, went eight and five. Right. And in 2020, went five and six. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, went five and five before he got fired. Stagnant. Very stagnant. Now, can you guess what his bowl stats were? Not very good. One and three, and one did not qualify. Oof. Why did one not qualify? Because they just, you didn't win enough games to get Oh, there. Oh, didn't qualify for a bowl game that year. That's rough. Yeah.
0: And I'm sorry, but you watch from the Frank Beamer years. Mm-hmm. But Blacksburg, if there is any stadium that I would say is probably one of the most underrated stadiums in the country, it would have to be the stadium right at Blacksburg. Black What's it called? Nailing Stadium? Is that what it's called? Nah. Nah. I think I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, that stadium right there. Like I said on previous episode, so I was down there one night. I was down at an establishment <laughs> on Friday night. It was a Frank Beamer's last year. And we were probably a quarter mile up the road from the stadium, eighth of a mile. The damn floors in the bar were shaking; they were vibrating every time those cannons would go it off. You could feel it in your chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, both, you couldn't. You, we were in a bar up the road, and you could not hear yourself speaking to the person beside you because the crowd was so loud. There you go. And when that game ended, I mean, it was insane. I bet that it was, bar
1: filled up pretty quick too. Oh, it was outrageous. <laughs> it, was,
0: it was incredible, though, man. I mean, I could not believe it. And you watched the games on television, man, back in the Beamer days. and You couldn't hardly hear the announcers. No, I mean,
1: but now try to watch a game.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, when Fuente came in there, they wanted a little spark. His Beamer tore it in his career. It was seven win seasons, six win seasons. Not what it once was. Right. Still, pretty, still not bad. It was still exciting football. I mean, hell, his second, I think it was the second last year was when they beat Ohio State, Mm -hmm. pulled off the big upset. Mm -hmm. And Ohio State went on to win the national championship that year. Yep. But even in the final years of Beamer, that stadium, that culture held together. It never gave up the stadium, never let up. It was always packed out. I mean, insane.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was football at its finest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In the first year Fuente came in there, everybody was a little skeptical because they didn't want to say goodbye to Beamer, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to either. Right. But that first year, everybody said, you know what? This is a chip off the old block here, Beamer ball, 2.0. We've to do this thing. We're going to pick up where he left off, go back to the promised land. And it just got worse. And worse. And worse.
1: Seems like there's a common theme playing. What's that? He won with Beamer's people. Exactly. For two years, Beamer's people. Ten wins, nine wins. That first year, they won their only bowl game. 35-24 against Arkansas. After that, a loss to Oklahoma State. Cincinnati, UK.
0: Yeah. I mean... Seems to be a very common theme. We'll always have coaches. It really does. It really does. The grass ain't always greener on the other side, folks. I mean,
1: that's kind of one thing that you've been saying about... Beamer
0: wasn't fired. Beamer retired, but... Yeah, you're right. I think he was kind of forced into retirement.
1: though. I mean, look at his age. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the same thing that you've been talking to me about with Texas A&M. Yeah. I
0: mean,
1: it makes you wonder. Oh, yeah. It really does. Now, here's a head scratcher for you. Who is Brett Pratt? That's our defensive coordinator out of Penn State. Yes, sir. One of the best defensive coordinators in the the country, really. I mean, he was hired on November 30th, 2021, after serving eight seasons as Penn State's defensive coordinator. Now, here's the thing, and this is what's the most exciting, that I didn't even get to tell you. He's returning to Blacksburg after working as a defensive grad assistant. Under legendary coach Ray Beamer In 1995 through 1997 I
0: looked that up the last night Yeah he's actually a chip off of the Beamer tree Mm-hmm. And that is very exciting nope. I was a little skeptical about the hire Until I read that
1: I read that and I, I just I, I smiled at myself and I said Ben is going to love this
0: Yes sir I think I like the hire I was a little skeptical at first But then I started thinking, I was like, you know what, the Virginia Tech's defense has been a big problem the last couple of years under Fuente, really the whole damn team's been a problem. Mm -hmm. But if he can get him a good offensive coordinator in there and put his defensive mind to work, Mm -hmm. they're going to be just fine. Absolutely. And especially, it's like we mentioned Mario Mario Cristobal. Mm -hmm. He's seen the culture.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's seen it at its best. Mm -hmm. He knows what it takes to get it back.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, when you've been a part of a winning program like that, especially at its peak, that just lives inside of you and you do everything to bring it out. I mean, I don't know, man. Speaking of trends, I mean, you think about it, all right?
0: Miami, what they did with crystal ball. Mm Mm-hmm brought in a guy who knew the culture at its peak.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Virginia Tech, bringing in a guy, knew the culture at its peak under its best coach, best-shaped program was ever in. South Carolina, Shane Beamer. They brought in a guy who was there at its best. Yep.
1: Funny how these things come together. It really is. It really is, and I'm excited to see what Coach Crack can do. And especially bringing in some of these stats that are just phenomenal, man. In 2021, uh, he was actually a nominee for the Brule's Award. If you don't know what that is, it's actually the uh, the best assistant in the country. He was uh, ranked fourth nationally in red zone defense with 66.7%.
0: That's pretty damn spectacular.
1: Seventh in scoring in the nation at 16.4 points per game. Eighth in defense pass efficiency at 111.98 and held the opponents to just 4.7 yards per play.
0: I think Virginia Tech saying, I'll take some of that. Yes, sir. And that's just in 2021 alone. Yeah, I think I – definitely like this higher. Yes, sir. I'm very excited for Virginia Tech, especially if they can get – If they can get somebody in there to get that offense clicking, he can handle the defense how he sees fit. Get him a defensive coordinator with the same outlook on things that he has. This this could be a program that makes a big turnaround very fast.
1: It could really, that very well could be. I'm not going to say it's going to be done in a year, but I mean, look at what Beamer was able to do for Carolina in just a year's time.
0: I mean, if Virginia Tech gets seven wins. That's a, that's a phenomenal turnaround. Oh, yeah. First year. Oh, yeah.
1: And it can be done. But now, speaking of defense, let's take it on down there to the Bayou.
0: Down to good old Baton Rouge. Yeah, we'll go Man, I'm going to miss that guy. This is probably
1: the saddest.
0: The saddest, and this is probably my least favorite hire. Absolutely. One of the, my least favorite
1: hires out of all of them. Absolutely, and I don't know if it's just because the man is so fake, or if it's just because I feel like Ward Jaron was done dirty. It could be a mixture of both.
0: Coach O definitely definitely got shafted, but that's water under the bridge. Ain't nothing we can do about it. So I'm yeah. not gonna gripe on But I see a coach all prim and proper <laughs> up at Notre Dame. <laughs> Come down there with a fake southern accent. I'm sorry, if you're anybody from the south. And a man walks in and all of a sudden has a fake southern accent. They're faking it. That just that just really pisses me
1: off. Oh, it gets under my skin quick, fast in a hurry. Oh it And can you imagine the sign that it sends to the recruits when they see that sort of faking?
0: This guy, literally a week before he was hired, had a press conference. And when they asked him about leaving Notre Dame, he said, Unless they're writing a $200 million check, there's no way I'm leaving this program. I love Notre Dame through and through, and yah, yah, yah. And just went on about how he loves all his players and ain't going nowhere. And a week
1: later, left. Well, you know why, don't you? He got a big damn check. 10 years, $95 million plus incentives.
0: Exactly. He got a help of a ticket. But also that annoys me. Cause I'm a firm believer in be a man of your word. Mm-hmm. If you say you're gonna do something, be about it. When you're coaching football, you impact these young men's lives, men and women nowadays, they're all female football players, so right. you impact all these young players' lives. I mean, everybody you touch, man. From Pee Wee all the way up to college football, you make an impact on their lives. hmm You really do. And when you sit there and tell them, no, I got y'all, I'm not leaving y'all. And did you know he texted his players goodbye? Yeah. Texted them by.
1: Was, there was no meeting, no nothing like that. It was just, hey, I'm gone. Deuces. He just, he disrespected them.
0: And what pisses me off more than anything with him is he had some good years for Notre Dame. There's no denying that. He made Notre Dame somewhat relevant again. They were going to the playoffs. Every year they'd get their ass beat when they
1: got there. <laughs> he never but. could win the big game.
0: He could never win the big game. And everybody can say, oh, he beat Clemson last year. He beat Clemson in 2020. Yeah. quarterback. Then, then when Trevor Lawrence came on in there, what happened?
1: He got spanked.
0: Exactly. Oh, Dabo told him who the daddy was. Pretty much. I just, he's running away. Yeah. He's going to go try to jump on some talent. Not like his other coaches. He's going to get some talent that's already there, which he is bringing a little bit of recruits, but LSU, you're going to get big time recruits no matter what. Yeah. Because it's LSU.
1: But here's the thing that blinded LSU, in my personal humble opinion this man has a record. Of 284 wins, 97 losses, and two ties. He's been in coaching for 31 years and has, you could say, a winning record. But he can't win the big game.
0: How many national, chi- how many national championship rings He's you a
1: Goose saying?
0: That's what I'm saying, man. I just, I don't know, I don't care if it's high. Not do, I, do I think he's going to have success? Yeah, I do think he's going to have success, at least for a couple of years. But I think after a couple of years, he'll be gone and be looking
1: for another coach. I'd say give it three. Probably. I mean, <laughs> you're coming off two years from winning a national championship going 15-0 with Ed Orgeron. Well, if you don't win at least 10 games in your first year, you could be gone in your first year at LSU. Exactly. Well, with that being said, man,
0: <clears throat> which of these jobs do you think is probably
1: the most desirable? The most desirable? As an accomplished coach, I would say probably the Florida job. As a new coach coming in, I'd say probably the Duke job because they'll give you 13 years whether you're losing or not. What do you think?
0: I think in general as any coach, if I had to pick one out of these programs that I would like to jump into and coach at today, I'd have to go Virginia Tech because everything's already there. Yeah. You're coming into a team that's got a lot of tradition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're coming into a fan base that's just dying for culture. They're just dying for that. Yeah. Somebody to bring it back, revitalize it, at to back up. Right. And this is a team, man, where you can win seven wins and it'll be called a successful year, so to speak. But also, you have a team that has potential and has shown in the past to be national championship contenders.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a good pick.
0: Very favorable.
1: Yes, sir. I like that pick.
0: What do you think is the least desirable?
1: With somebody wanting to win, Duke. Duke. If you're wanting to win right now, the least desirable is Duke. But there again, LSU is probably the second because, I mean, they don't give you enough time to to get it done. Yeah. I'd have to say my
0: least desirable would have to be Either Florida or LSU. LSU for sure, because there ain't a whole lot of job security. He might get a 10-year contract. But if they fire him, he negotiates contract. Well, if he gets, if Kelly gets fired, you know he still gets
1: paid. Yeah. Yep, I mean, they, he, he, they, they gave him a must check contract. I'll give him that. He, he thought that through pretty damn well.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, LSU, if you ain't – if you have not made the playoffs – One out of three years? Well, I ain't going to say one out of three years because Coach O made it one out of three. And
1: yeah. And not to mention 2020 was a COVID year.
0: Yeah. At LSU, man, if you're not... If it's not dead nuts between you and Bama for the SEC West every year and you're not going to the playoffs every other year, Your job's in Jeopardy. If you lose
1: the Bama two years in a row, your job is in Jeopardy.
0: Pretty much. You're you're on the hot seat. There's no room for error in LSU. And the problem with Florida that I have is it's Florida. (laughs) Well, in a way, yeah. You think about Florida. You're in a tough division. But think about the recruiting. Mm-hmm. You got to compete with Florida State and Miami right? and Central Florida. Then, right up the road, you got the Georgia Bulldog on one side of you. On mm-hmm. the other side of you, you got Bama.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you have South Carolina coming down poaching. Florida's
0: a tough spot, man. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it has a history like it's cursed or something for always being in trouble. Always student athletes getting in trouble down in Florida. Well,
1: that's because there was no discipline under some of these previous coaches, man. I mean, you talk about some coaches hiring hookers and whatnot. I mean, <laughs> look at the days at Urban Meyer, bro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, out of those coaches we just named at the schools, tell me which two. Do you have the least amount of faith in them? Do You think they'll fail?
1: The least amount of faith, I'm going to go with Brian Kelly. And I believe you talked me going into uh, probably Tony Elliott.
0: I'd have to say the same thing. I think the ones who will fail, I think Brian Kelly. Mm. I don't know. Really, I got three, honestly. <laughs> it's going to be a tie between Brian Kelly and Billy Napier.
1: You think Napier?
0: And Tony Elliott. I think Na- I Napier is going to have a tough time in Florida.
1: I don't think he's going to have it as hard of a time as what the other two would. Now, I mean, I could be wrong. And Tony Elliott could be a rock star. And then, you know, Napier A-Hatter. could blow it up. A-Hatter.
0: Tony Elliott, Virginia's That's surefire. Not going to work. Yeah, I don't think. I've been wrong before, but I do not see that one working out. Which two do you think will have the most success?
1: I'm going to say probably Pry.
0: And I'm going to say success from a
1: program-wise,
0: culture-wise.
1: I'm going to say probably Pry there at Virginia Tech. And I'm going to have to go with... uh, Probably the new Duke coach. I mean, you can't really go further down than what they were already at. Let's just be honest. I'm going to have to go with Pry- Virginia
0: Tech. I think he's going to turn it around. I think it's going to revitalize that program. And I forgot about Cristobal. Cristobal. I was going to say, I, I'm thinking Cristobal. Duke, I don't even know I think Duke's going to have success with this new coach. But it's gonna to be tough too. I think Crystal Ball is gonna be a immediate. Impact. Yeah, I think
1: he's gonna be a rock star.
0: But he's got a lot to do to get some this down there in Miami. I mean, he's
1: already done a lot. You see all the releases that he's had.
0: Yeah.
1: He's already cutting the the cancer from that locker room.
0: Yeah, he's definitely making a big change, cleaning the house, draining the swamp, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, I'm definitely excited about Brent Pry. Definitely excited about the new Duke coach. Chris Ball, it's going will be interested to see what he does. I'm excited about all of these coaching changes besides Kelly. I just yeah. don't like that guy.
1: I mean, if that guy doesn't win a the game, it ain't going to hurt my feelings.
0: Hell no. Go ahead. They, they already got Coach O's number in their phone book.
1: I mean, they could always call him back. Nah, I think Coach O is going to be your next Florida State coach.
0: That would be awesome. That would be
1: awesome. Go, Seminoles. Go, Goals. Go. Go.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um,
1: what's your closing thoughts on all this, man? What an exciting time it is to be a football fan.
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, all these coaching changes, and we didn't even go into some of these offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, the the special teams coaches that have traded out. I mean, this is just your head coaching stuff right here. We'll go over all the rest of it when we go over these teams that you know, have made changes and when we go over the preseason stuff.
0: Exactly. Once we close to that spring game, that's when we'll break down. More so of all the overall staff changes. But uh man, it's an exciting time to talk football.
1: It really is. And I mean not only that, but you've also got recruiting. You've got your national signing day next week.
0: Yes, sir. And that's gonna be on our next episode if y'all tune in next week. We're gonna be going over a lot of the recruiting and Talk about uh, some of our big names. We're going to make a top ten list all right. of our top ten recruits.
1: All right. See,
0: see who gets some. But uh, with all that being said, I think we're going to wrap this one up. We appreciate the hell out of y'all tuning in. And I hope y'all are as excited about this damn year as I am. Because I'm telling you, the regular season may be over, but the real game of football just began.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's get it done, fellas, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Again, like, subscribe, comment to our Facebook, to our Twitter. We'd love to talk some football with you.
0: Yes, sir, and we hope to have some YouTube videos coming up here soon for you all as well. Yes, sir. So, with that being said, we'll see you soon. See you soon.